What a blessing to see Christ add to his church. Amen? Amen. I'm also blessed today in that I get to read from the holy, inspired word of God. Today, we will be reading from Revelation 12, uh, verses 1 through 12. This is the LSB. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor, in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, the great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God, to his throne." Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she would be nourished for 1260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. Pardon me. Have the first page marked. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their witness. And they did not love their life even unto death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he only he has only a short time. I'll stand, you be seated. The devil comes, says the scripture, the devil comes to mankind in great wrath uh, because he knows that his time is short. 
that reading from John's Apocalypse, the, the, the book of Revelation, paints a, a, a big picture view, if you will, of the, the relentless work of Satan throughout human history. Satan and his demons, uh, fallen angels, always work uh, tirelessly to thwart uh, the saving work of God in his world through his anointed king, the Lord Jesus. Uh, And the Bible constantly reminds us that this relentless work of Satan um, is very real, uh, though it is often veiled. Um, This battle rages around us all the time, whether we think it does or not. Uh, And it most certainly does involve us. God's image bearers are not observers uh, nor mere spectators in spiritual warfare. All all people are are caught up in the battle, says who? Says God in in his word. And and so we we must take the the demonic realm seriously, and yet we must also understand that this, this cosmic battle that Revelation 12 speaks of Uh, is in no way a battle among equals. Don't think that. Our king, Jesus, is sufficient to overthrow any work of the devil in this world, in the lives of his people. In fact, as we turn to Matthew's gospel, once again, we're reminded that demonic activity uh, was especially... um, Uh, prevalent uh, during uh, the years that that Jesus uh, ministered on the earth. And and, and if we wonder why, um, we have an answer for that in Scripture. Uh, 1 John uh, chapter 3 and verse 8 says this, The Son of God was manifested for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. God has sent us a Savior and God has sent us a King. And Satan is no match for our Savior and our King. Jesus has come to destroy Satan's work in God's world and and in his people. And Matthew in his gospel has been showing this already in earlier chapters. You remember way back in in chapter 2, we read of the, the failure of the wicked King Herod to uh, kill uh, the newborn Christ. He slaughtered uh, the, uh, the, the little boys around Bethlehem, uh, desperately trying to destroy God the Son. He failed, as he always will. Matthew in chapter 4 tells us of the failure of Satan himself in tempting Jesus, remember the temptation in the wilderness, uh, trying to tempt the Lord's anointed king, Jesus, away from his mission to to save his people from their sins, to liberate his world from the curse of sin. And Matthew now shows us in chapter 8, in not the macro view like Revelation 12, but really kind of on the micro level, on the personal level, Um, that Jesus alone is sufficient to defeat the works of the devil. And uh, I want us to just read the text um, as we always do, and then with God's help we'll we'll see the power of our king. 
Verse 28 of Matthew 8 says that when Jesus came to the other side, into the region of the Gadarenes, the two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent that no one could pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Note that. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding at a distance from them. And the demons began to plead with Jesus, saying, If you are going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. And coming out, they went into the swine, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. Now the herdsmen ran away and went to the city and reported everything, including what had happened to the demoniacs. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. How strange. When they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. What in the world is going on here? Well, well remember, um, Jesus and his disciples had just left Capernaum in Galilee uh, after a, a crazy busy day of, of ministry there, uh, a busy evening of ministry there. And, th- and then they crossed the Sea of Galilee at night. And, and it was during that voyage at night Uh, that a great storm came upon them. And Jesus demonstrated his power, his complete authority over creation. Do you believe this? That Jesus has complete authority over creation. He hushed an earthquake at sea. The storm waves stopped bouncing around. The wind ceased at the command of Jesus. And it was a reminder to the disciples not only of the Lord's authority, uh, but a reminder to them that the safest place, the best place for them to be in any storm was simply with Jesus, in the presence of Jesus. And and verse 28 tells us that the the calm didn't last very long. Uh, Perhaps this is very early morning the next day. Uh, Jesus and his his followers arrive in the area of Gadara, um, which would include the city of Gergesa. Um, Matthew describes the region. The other gospels describe the the, the city. And immediately these two demon-possessed men meet them. And, And the men come down out of the tombs, the catacombs that were carved into the hillside there in that region, and, and they are raging in the presence of Jesus. Look at verse 28. Uh, the, the, the men who were demon-possessed met him. Uh, they were so extremely violent that no one could pass by that way. And, you know, we, we live in a world, we live in an age uh, when, when some people would, would snicker at that. And, and me neither. And um, we're not some people, I pray, but, but we live in a world that denies the demonic. And yet the Bible tells us straight up that spiritual warfare rages all around us. At times it's hidden, at other times it is overt, visible, 
Uh, and certainly it's visible in this instance in Matthew 8. 1 Peter 5 says what to us? Be of sober spirit, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And the devil has found two men to devour. In fact, it, it is the work of, of Satan's evil, this, this demonic influence that has dragged them into the catacombs of Gadara. And so these men are not merely influenced by evil. They're, they're not harassed by demons. They are possessed. Okay, that demon possession simply means they are completely under the influence of the demonic, of these demons. Completely controlled in that sense. And what are the symptoms of the demonized, you might wonder? Well, how many of you read the other gospel, uh, you know, Mark and Luke's account of this as well? A couple of you? Okay, that's good. Um, if, if you put it all together, um, here's what you come up with. Rage, violence, out-of-control behavior, base Impulses unrestrained by conscience. This is the telltale work of Satan in the world today. I learned just a few days ago, I think it was Friday, somebody (laughs) sent me an email saying, hey, did you know that you can go to a place in Spokane and pay money to vent your rage in a rage room, I'm not making this up, I checked it out, Um, a company called Rage Escape invites you to come and and break dishes and and throw furniture and and throw paint and scream, um, destroy whatever's there, and and you can can pay a certain amount to do this alone. Uh, Perhaps it's a date night. You could bring your spouse and and do something like that. you, you could even show up with a group, although they're only able to handle groups of, of, of a certain size. Um, and I'm, I'm not making this up. Come vent your rage, they say. Lose control. Go crazy. And someone else will clean up the mess when you're done. You think, well, that's... You know, we, we, we chuckle at that. Do you, do you realize it's really not all that funny? Sadly, that makes light of a very serious reality. Uncontrolled emotions, uh, unrestrained base instincts are Satan's work in God's image bearers. There's no laughing matter. And men and women cannot clean up the mess that sin's curse has made in their lives. The community cannot cannot clean up the mess that sin's curse makes in people's lives, though we try. Jesus can. Jesus alone can. And you've got to wonder, well, why why does Matthew single out these two fellows? Um, He's already written in his gospel about Jesus casting out demons. Um, it's, it's come up multiple times already. Uh, and I want to just suggest one reason uh, that, that he focuses on these two. Um, these two men personify the evil 
that Satan seeks to work out into the lives of God's image bearers. This is an extreme, grotesque look at sin running its course in an image bearer of God. And, you know, the Bible says that all people, apart from God, live under the tyranny of evil. And a person, maybe even a person here today might say, well, I, you know, I just, I just don't see it that way. I've always seen myself as kind of neutral in that sense. Do you realize that there's no such thing as neutral? Jesus says you're either for me or you're against me. And by birth, we're against. Thank you. Ephesians 2, verse 1, you, Christian, We're dead in your transgressions and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest." No, we're not all demon-possessed. But by nature, we are born under the power and control of evil until God in His grace changes that. So these two men are, are an embodiment in that sense of fallen humanity. Sin running its course. And if you read Mark's account, which focuses on only one of these guys... Um, you get a further sense of of the nature of of sin's ruin. The demoniacs run toward Jesus from the catacombs because they live there. I mean, I don't know what your address is, but I would suggest this is far worse. They live among the bones. The only living things they have uh, communion with, you could say, are rats and bacteria. They are isolated from their community. If you combine all of the synoptic gospels, the three, the three gospels uh, together, you get the sense that um, th- this depth of, of demonic activity in them has, has all but destroyed them as human beings. They function really as wild animals. Worse in the sense that they can't be tamed, like wild animals sometimes can be tamed. And so we don't want to miss the fact, as as Scripture describes them to us, um, it also is describing for us why the world is the way that it is today. Mark says that um, at least one of the men was, was always running around naked, that, that, that their, their shrieks could be heard at night. And how many of you know public nakedness in Scripture often is associated with sexual deviancy? It's demonic. The men cut themselves with sharp stones, the Gospels tell us. Self-mutilation ultimately is demonic in its origin. And the enemy is not the person, but the enemy of souls. 
And there seems to be a direct correlation in Scripture between the abuse of the human body and the presence of evil. I, I wonder if that is instructive for our culture today. Rage, uncontrolled instincts, ultimately demonic in their origin. And, and the, the Gospels tell us that these men create chaos in their community. It wasn't it striking during, um, do you remember COVID? Um, around about that time, there was also a great groundswell among some people in the larger cities in America thinking that the best thing we could do regarding our situation is simply to destroy our cities, which is, is um, ultimately um, demonic. Do you realize that? But these works of the devil are what Jesus came to destroy. And let me just say that you, you don't have to be demon-possessed to descend into degradation as these men had descended into degradation. Human beings, apart from grace, are capable of, of all manner of evil. I think I told you before about the, the, the mother who was confronted about her, her little girl who was always fighting with her, her younger brother. And, and she said to her one day, she said, well, why did you let the devil put it into your head to hit your brother and pull his hair? And, and the little girl thought about it and she said, well, you know, the devil did put it into my head to hit him, but pulling his hair, that was my idea. And, and, you know, we laugh at that, but you, you think, you know, this devil made me do it thing isn't biblical, really, is it? We're, we're capable of the worst kinds of evil apart from grace. And it's a reminder to us here in Matthew 8. Are you, you still listening? Man is powerless to free himself from bondage to evil. But Christ is sufficient to deliver. Christ is sufficient. Self-help will not do this. Changing course politically is not going to do it. A different kind of government doesn't do it. Medication doesn't do it. Jesus does it. Look how real this restoration happens. Look at verse 29. And behold, they cried out saying, what do we have to do with you, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? I mean, here is the irresistible grace of God in Jesus Christ. These men are possessed by demons, thousands of them, Mark says in his gospel. Legion, you know, a Roman legion was what? Two to, to 6,000 soldiers, thousands of demons. And yet in the presence of our Savior and King, these men nonetheless run toward Him. What, what a magnet is our Savior for those whom He came to save. And as for the demons, they immediately acknowledge who they are in the presence of. Isn't that interesting? What do we have to do with you, Son of God? I want you to notice with me that demons are very orthodox in their theology. 
These demons believe more about Jesus than his followers do at this point. Jesus, the man, is God, and they know it. Fully human, fully God, Jesus is the one mediator between God and sinful man, and he's come to destroy them. He's come to destroy their works in humanity. And they know it. Have you come here to torment us before the time? They even know their ultimate destiny. We just heard that in Revelation 12. He knows he's short on time, does Satan. Judgment and hell await them, and judgment and hell await all who are not rescued by running to Christ. Satan and his agents, by the way, hate humans because they hate God. They hate God, they hate his image bearers. And you just look at humanity today, apart from grace in Christ, and you see whether Satan wants to benefit people. No, his aim is to bring them to hell. And I mention that, uh, again, you you still with me? I mention that because we live in a culture where we sometimes um, snicker and wink at those who maybe dabble in things that are sort of, you know, they would say mildly occultic, um, as if there is such a thing. You know, they they sort of snicker at the idea that there is such a thing as the demonic. Um, Maybe they even think they can control you know, spiritual forces, if they get the right crystal and they, and they sprinkle the right oil and they, they mumble the right mantras, and, and you need to know that that is straight from hell. That, that, that is not of God. Satan's goal is your complete ruin, not your best. And Satan works tirelessly to convince mankind that there is no judgment coming. And how interesting that these demons here in Matthew 8 know the reality. Judgment is coming, and this Savior, this King, this Jesus is to be their judge. Listen to Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, God also highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let me just say this. This is in our children's listening guide, but it's for kids of all ages, okay? Satan is no second God. Don't think that. I mean, despite the cartoons some of us grew up with, you know, you got good on this shoulder and bad on the other shoulder, and that, that's a cartoon. We don't live by cartoons. There is one true God. Satan, Lucifer, is a created fallen angel. And other fallen angels, as in Revelation 12, um, join him in causing as much disorder and chaos and destruction as they can. Uh, but they are powerless to do anything unless God allows it. 
Turns out we're meant to live by that truth, not in fear. Look, look at verse 30. It says, There was a herd of many swine feeding at a distance from them. And the demons began to plead with Jesus, saying, If you are going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. Well, that's weird. But notice with me that they must ask permission from Jesus. Okay? Even to enter a herd of pigs, Satan and his demons are powerless to do anything but what God allows them to do. And, and I pray, Christians, that that calms your fears of the demonic living in a world as dark as ours. And, and I pray that that instructs you away from an undue obsession with the demonic. There's, there's no profit in that at all for God's people. Satan is the God of this world. The scripture tells us that. That simply means that this world's institutions and philosophies and cultures are used by the enemy of souls to keep God's image bearers in bondage to sin and blinding them to the truth. And yet Satan has no authority apart from God. None whatsoever. And I, and I mention that because I want you to understand that for the believer... Demons cannot possess you the way demons are possessing these two men from Kadera. Every once in a while I get asked that. You know, what, what if I'm possessed by a demon? Um, do you know Jesus? Uh, do, do you know him as your savior? You, you follow him as your king? Um, don't be troubled by that. Can they harass you? Of course. In fact, they will. Could possess you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Re remember, Paul's thorn in the flesh was described as what? A messenger of Satan to torment me. How interesting. Job experienced inexpressible physical agony, relational agony, emotional agony, and so on um, because Satan was allowed to harass him for the glory of God. But Satan and his demons cannot possess believers. Listen to 1 John 4 and verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So, so be wise, be, be sober-minded, says 1 Peter 5, about the spiritual warfare around you, but don't be afraid. Don't be unduly afraid. Jesus simply speaks and the demons must flee. Did you notice that? He just says, go. Verse 32, and he said to them, go. It just takes one word from the king. And these men are liberated. When Jesus says, go to demons, they must go. They, they don't have a choice. And don't miss the fact that these men cannot help themselves. Don't miss the fact that the community cannot help these men. You don't think people got together and said, you know, maybe it's their environment. Maybe we just need to put them at a different kind of school. I mean, maybe they were raised by wolves and they just need better role models in their lives. Maybe we should send them to, you know, Boy Scouts or something. Maybe that, I'm not sure that would help anymore. But, but back then, I mean, the community can't help them. All the community can do is isolate them from the rest of the community. 
Warren Wearsby, in, in his commentary, says this about the whole episode. And I, and I probably should have read this earlier because it would have been a much shorter sermon. But, um, but here it is. He says, this whole thing shows what Satan does for a man. Robs him of sanity and self-control. Fills him with fears. Robs him of the joys of home and friends. And if possible, condemns him to an eternity of judgment. It also reveals what society does for a man in such need. Restrains him. Isolates him. Threatens him. But society is unable to change him. His only hope is Jesus Christ. Satan seeks to ruin. King Jesus seeks to restore Jesus will, will, will say later in Matthew's gospel, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And I invite you in your, in your mind's eye just to, to look around our community and I ask you, do, do, do we not see the lost? Do, do we not see those who are yet bound, as it were, uh, imprisoned by the enemy of souls. Don't, don't, don't we see the symptoms? People controlled by their base instincts, perverse, alienated from God, not, not practicing the truth, living under the influence of the spirit of the God of this age, not the spirit of God. And by the way, it's one or the other. And the community wants to isolate. The community wants to look the other way. And Jesus moves toward those in bondage to Satan in the worst ways with saving grace. Do you think that made a mark on his first disciples? Let me just suggest that um, faith in this power of Jesus may well need to touch hearts in this room this morning. And I want to just mention a couple of things. In a group of people this size, it's very possible that there are some here this morning thinking at least to themselves that, that, that you've been brought so low by sin's curse if people only knew your deal and you fear you've been brought so low that it's just not possible for you to be made whole again, I beg you to look upon this Jesus and see his authority to restore the ruined. And there may also be those among us who have all but given up hope in a family member, a son or a daughter, a, a grandchild, a co-worker, so far gone you don't even know where that path came from. That's not how they were raised. And yet there they are. And, and you've all but given up hope. And I beg you to look upon this Jesus who, who is mighty to save. So don't, don't stop praying don't stop hoping. And for heaven's sake, don't stop speaking of Jesus. 
Well, that isn't even part of the message, really. So I'll not have it count against my time. But, but here, here's back to the message. The, the, the depth of sin's ruin is no match for the power of Christ restoring grace. It just isn't. It just isn't. Look at the evidence, still in verse 32. And coming out, they went. the demons went into the swine, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished into the waters. Uh, if you only read Matthew's gospel, you might be picturing this little, this little herd of pigs, and off they go, diving into the water. And, and No, no, no. Mark says 2,000 pigs. I mean, just the, the, can, you, can you just imagine the noise of that, the scene of that, the horror of that? And, and this is no knock on pigs. Don't think that. Don't read a passage like this and say, oh, those, those, those poor pigs. Um, although it is instructive that in an area like Gadara, where there were Jewish people but also Gentile people, this is Galilee of the Gentiles, that there would have been some in the community who had a sense um, that keeping swine was unclean under the Mosaic law at this time. Uh, and, and surely Matthew's first readers, Jewish Christians, would, would have been thinking, well, boy, when, when Jesus enters into the lives of people and, and restores what sin has ruined, that which is unclean must go. Did you hear that? But, 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 but the pigs dying is primarily irrefutable evidence that the demons actually did leave the men and went elsewhere and went away. And, and, and we're meant to see here that Jesus has complete authority and ability to restore the most ruined lives. Verse 33, Now the herdsmen ran away, went to the city and reported everything, including what had happened to the demoniacs. Mark's gospel says this about what happened to the demoniacs. They were sitting down, clothed, and in their right minds. This this is the power of Christ in a life ravaged by sin. In Christ, chaotic lives are calmed. In Christ, disordered lives are brought under control. In Christ, enemies of God become friends of God and God's people. In fact, Mark tells us that one of these guys begged Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go with you and the other disciples on mission. And Jesus says, no, you you stay right here. These these people here need your witness. Look, Look how badly they need the witness. Verse 34. Behold... The whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. That's not how you and I would end that story, would we? This is not a story. This is human history. This is the reality of fallen humanity. And I'm thinking back to my newspaper days, and I'm thinking... The headline in the paper that day would have been all wrong because it should have said, two men set free by Jesus. Instead, it says, swine destroyed, what will happen next? That's what's going on here. Because this 
herd of swine, 2,000 animals. I mean, somebody really lost a lot of money this day. Perhaps multiple somebodies. Imagine how, in those days, how long would it take to, to build up a herd of 2,000 pigs? A long time. And, and people are thinking, what, 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 who is this Jesus who's come to meddle in our affairs like this? And what, what is he going to do next? What else is the presence of Christ going to cost us? You see, Jesus, for those apart from grace, is a very upsetting presence. Did you know that? Their whole existence is going to be turned upside down if Jesus stays. Because where Christ is present, everything changes. If you're not changing, the scripture says, you're far from Christ. Because where Christ is, there is change. He has come to destroy the works of the devil. And it isn't just the works of the devil out there. It's the works of the devil in here that he's come to destroy. Is that happening in your life? Rejoice. That's what it is to belong to Jesus. But, you know, let me just say this in closing. that The, the liberation of, of, of these sin-ravaged men Um, confronts the people in the community with their own enslavement to sin. Because uh, as as horrible as it is to have a couple of demoniacs running around naked screaming at everybody, um, you don't think the people in this community thought on their worst days, at least we're not like those guys. At least that's not us. I mean, it's always handy, isn't it, to have that sort of victim mentality? And here they are now in the presence of God the Son, perfect holiness in humanity, and they're confronted with what? The reality of their own lives, ravaged by sin's curse. And they're afraid of what Jesus might do in their own lives. And just picture something like this happening. I sure hope he can deal with the demoniacs, but then he needs to go. I don't want him moving my furniture around because I'm content in my little manageable sins that I've still got going on. And you can imagine someone thinking that way. Sinclair Ferguson says this. He says, Men often hold on to their bondage and evil rather than yield to the transforming power of God's grace. Has Jesus, in compassion, been destroying the works of the devil in you? I mean, I mean can you... Sing with all honesty as we did earlier. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, gracious savior of my ruined life. My guilt and cross laid on your shoulders. In my place, you suffered, bled, and died. 
or, or is it possible that you're one who is yet saying to Jesus, um, deal with the bad stuff around me, but would you, would you mostly leave me alone? God's image bearers will either be restored by King Jesus or brought to eternal ruin by ignoring his grace. And Matthew is going to keep showing this throughout his gospel. I pray that God would give us ears to hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us that this spiritual warfare the scripture tells us of is real and present and unrelenting and that our only hope is to have run to the refuge that is Jesus, our Savior and King. And Lord, I pray that you would use your word this morning to draw sinners to yourself. Lord, open eyes to your compassion and your benevolent authority and the certainty that you can change, you can straighten what sin's curse has made crooked. And Lord, I pray that you would give us as your church hearts of compassion for those who are yet in bondage to sin. Lord, may we not be those who look the other way, May we not be those who would seek after lesser approaches. And Lord, I pray that we would not be content to have you destroy the evil around us while we cling to that which is yet in us. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name.